0: well good evening everyone today is thursday april 20th 2023 yeah man it's 420 it's 420 and there's a few different urban legends about the origin but they all kind of same come to the same end result that 420 has become synonymous with weed um when i saw i was due for a thursday interview release and it happened to line up on 420 the topic pretty much set itself coincidentally, um, I kind of believe in uh, things coming together. I was on LinkedIn a few days after I realized that and I was reading a post and this guy had commented on the post and he threw up a picture of a big fat nug. And I was like, I think the universe is telling me who I need to talk to for my weed episode. So I grabbed his profile I checked him out and it looks like a great fit. He's the creator and editor-at-large of Fat Nugs Magazine and one of the founders and CEO of Three Good Buds. And here to chat a little bit about cannabis, his company, his magazines, and all his ventures in the world of weed, I'd like to welcome to Lots to Talk About Dustin Hawksworth.
1: Thank you very much, man. Definitely appreciate it. I think
0: you caught me as the smoke was burning my eyes. <laughs> I mean, it, it's good timing. You gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta, I was watching the video down there and I was like, okay, this is perfect. I'll, I'll bring him up. I still got a few things to say.
1: <laughs> Dude's eyes are watering cause they're burning. We might as well put him on camera right now. Perfect timing, dude. Definitely appreciate it.
0: <laughs> I mean, I saw the picture of you and, and your lady, I think it was for her birthday over on LinkedIn. And, and at the bottom you were like, yeah, the stone guy in the background. And uh, you're pretty blazed up, I have a feeling, because I think you, I could almost see the reds of your eyes.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and honestly, my entire life, I've always had sort of that squinty eye look, whether it's been for me being stoned or just the way that I look. I think my eyes are just kind of like that. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I was. In that, in that photo, um, I had, I think, infused uh, – I used a, a, a product called Quick Drops from Quick Liquids. and infused a bourbon uh, and we were just sitting there kind of shooting the shit so there you go okay
0: yeah so we're gonna have to get into this at some point because actually one of my listeners i threw some questions out ahead of time these are pre-records that i release on thursday Uh, monday nights we usually have some people in asking live questions but i threw some some feelers out to see and some people were asking about uh, the newer products between you know it's oh, it used to be you smoked it or you made magic brownies But now it seems to be that it's a whole new world. Um, so we'll get into that. But hey, for my guests um, that might not know who you are, I'm guessing a, a lot of them don't know what a Dustin Hawksworth is. Um, who are you, man? What I, I kind of let in a little bit that uh, that you're in the weed industry now, but have you always been? Uh, you've always been around it, or uh, what's what's your kind of your your elevator pitch background?
1: Yeah. So I'll try and keep this short. So really, I've been around the plant. Uh, basically, since the day I was born, my parents, my uncles, basically my family um, have always been consumers uh, right. since the day, the, the earliest days of my childhood that I can remember. I have 22 family members that are either current or former military, so veterans, right? And when a lot of them came back from Vietnam, uh, most of my uncles, uh, you know, and yes, I am old enough to remember, you know, as people come back from Vietnam and, and, and war, I was around then. Uh, we had a lot of PTSD issues in my family. We didn't know it was PTSD back then. Obviously, nobody knew what the hell that was. Uh, but looking back on it, <clears throat> that is uh, exactly what it was. Right. So weed, let's call it what, it what it is or what it's always been, I guess, to us, uh, to <laughs> most of us uh was smoked in my family on a daily basis it was just what was consumed it was uh completely normalized from the earliest moments of my childhood Um, i also lived with an indigenous stepfather for nine years he was a consumer and let's just say i saw a plant or two around the house Um, what
0: what kind of area did you grow up in were you moving like with the military family were you kind of steady moving around are you in one spot that it was kind of acceptable or was this all under the radar So a lot of my moving actually came in my teenage years and in my early 20s. Um,
1: Most of my childhood I spent in St. Louis, Missouri, and then um, the second half of my childhood in Atlanta, Georgia. My mom happened to work for AT&T and was transferred from St. Louis down to Atlanta. So that's how I ended up where I am now, and I've been pretty much in Georgia and in and, and around the city of Atlanta for 35 plus years at this point, so uh, been, been here for a minute, um, so didn't do a whole lot of moving around, I guess, but enough that I understand kind of what that's like to as a kid to move around a lot and to be in a new school district and, and how that feels and the anxiety it causes and the depression it can cause and the questioning right. of yourself and all of that kind of shit, right? where do I fit in? I don't have any friends, all of that stuff. And I think a lot of us kind of um, go through those types of things, um, especially as uh, having a military family or having a family that just moves around a lot or, or parents that um, have different jobs a lot or anything like that. I think um, there are a lot of us that have, have gone through that kind of stuff. So anyway, um, I ended up putting myself through college as well uh, by running or helping myself pay for college by running pounds from atlanta georgia down to georgia southern university for years um and that was how i got my or helped my uh my, i guess helped myself pay for school
0: no i mean uh, you gotta you gotta have a legitimate business
1: yeah yeah right well i according to me or my family always thought that i was uh <laughs> landscaping let's just say that so and Sure. I was kind of landscaping. It just happened to be distribution of some landscaping material.
0: I was was dealing dealing. in grass. It's all that has to matter.
1: (laughs) There you go. A hundred percent. That, that obviously that works well. So, you know, after college and I did end up graduating from Georgia Southern, but after uh, college I went directly, just like a lot of us went into the corporate world um, and spent 14 years there doing a lot of things around, uh, customer experience. So CX, consumer insights, customer data, that kind of stuff. Um, And I ran programs for companies like, and very large programs for companies like Apple, Abercrombie and Fitch, Home Depot, Lowe's, CenturyLink, and the list goes on and on. So I learned a lot, but hated myself for it. Um, I I honestly thought it was probably some of the worst years of my life. Um, And I had had a really, really rough childhood. But to be honest with you, when you're in your 20s and your early 30s, and you're, you know, trying to break into the corporate world to find your place and make a dollar, um, it's some of the most stressful shit that I can remember. And and um, I was filled with anxiety on a daily basis. To be totally honest with you,
0: yeah that that's a it's not my deal for sure. I I no. went to school to start start to do something down that road. And yeah. uh, ended up behind a bar, uh, slinging yep. drinks by accident just for some extra cash, Same. and Same. made made some money. And said, "Holy fuck, I can I can make this much money?" Well, it was a, like a one in a shot bar, and decided yeah. I wasn't going to go to school. Them. And I ended up doing it for ten years. Um, I mean, I sling drinks. I I got really good at it. Got really good at making money. And then all of a sudden, I went. I can't do this the rest of my life. They're like, there's no retirement plan in bartending.
1: Nope. Well, and your feet hurt, your back hurt, you you stay up late. You're at the time when I was running a bar as well. You would, you know, everybody was smoking cigarettes. You know, I still alcoholics. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and I and I ran a bar for a couple of years. Um, there I had multiple jobs while I was also in. Uh, the corporate world. I've always worked multiple jobs. I was always doing something and I always had my hand in the, or yeah, in the legacy side or traditional side of cannabis as well. So I was always slanging something to try and make ends meet as much as possible.
0: Right. Right. So well, yeah, you're trying to work yourself up and you got to fill that gap and you do what you do. You do what you know best.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's, a hundred percent. It came natural, right? Because it was around me my entire life. I was never, it was never anything weird. It was just always normal to have weed around. It wasn't a big deal. So that was just, even though I, I was wearing suits during the day, um, I was still ripping the bong before work. I'd come home and do my thing, right? I, most of us live that, that dichotomy, that those dual lives as we're growing up, right? At least until your forties or whatever, until you really figure out how to do you, in your space,
0: right? Oh man, it was unbelievable. So I grew up in a small town, eight like eight thousand people in Western New York, and oh, wow. I was around all like my my parents were teacher and uh, professionals, and they were members of like the Elks Lodge and the Country Club and all that. So I I hung around. There were two there were two societies in my town. There was like the blue collar and then the white collar, and you know they mixed, they knew each other, but there, it, you just didn't h- hang out. Um, so I grew up around the the white collars, and then when I started bartending and hanging out at the blue collar bars, it was interesting to see the white collars come around and to. Oh
1: yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. But so when no, you were a kid, it was
0: like no way, no way. That that's what oh, yeah. that's what the dirty hippies do.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, and that's not all. I mean, hell, a lot of um, executive types or suits uh they do more than just you know oh yeah oh, oh for, fun, sure. Right? for sure right there's there's blow everywhere there's all kinds of shit all the time to be honest with you and i've been in the middle of all of that you know i'm not i'm no saint myself in my <laughs> 30s i had my uh my run in with a lot of shit so i get all of that and you know it's 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 funny you say that because i even though growing up in atlanta at least during my teenage years uh, we have the same thing. You're poor or you're uh, very wealthy here. And it's there's not a whole lot of in between. I mean, obviously, I'm your regular old middle. Well, well middle our middle very wealthy now. would
0: have yeah. been considered um, middle somewhere else. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah, fair <laughs>
1: enough. Now, see, I ended up going to, and this is you know coming from a very poor family, military family. I mean, we had nothing. I had nothing. My brother and I had nothing growing up. My my younger twin, twin sisters had nothing growing up and, you know, coming, moving from St. Louis where we're in the city with nothing to Atlanta suburbs where people are very wealthy and in the, in the people I'm going to school with, I mean, it was like 90210. Everybody drove BMWs and Mercedes and all of that kind of stuff and lived in country clubs and I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> never in my mind that i ever think i would be anywhere near that type of stuff i had no idea who i was talking to what i was doing who i was supposed to be around or be or how i fit in or any of that stuff so yeah um it was kind of a weird way to grow up to be honest with you but fast forward so after <clears throat> um after school went into um you know that that corporate world for 14 years i ended up getting fired in 2018 from my last kind of real job, I guess. And luckily, my best friend is one of the greatest filmmakers in the world. And he pulled me into the film industry here in Atlanta, and which is very big. We're usually fighting for number two or number three in the world between uh, L.A., New York, and, and Atlanta. That's kind of how it works. And so I spent four years, three and a half, four years on – creating some of the coolest work you could ever want to some of the coolest pieces you could ever want to work on. And I mean, I worked on things like, uh, Godzilla vs Kong, the one that came out a year and a half or two years ago, whatever that was, I did the banker with Samuel L. Jackson, Anthony Mackey, Nicholas Holt. Um, I did Facebook's first ever series called queen America with Catherine Zeta Jones, uh, last looks with Mel Gibson. What were you, Charlie doing, on,
0: what were you doing on, on the films? <laughs>
1: cut color, shade, focus, and direct light. So a grip, right? Nice. So if any, if you're familiar with film industry work at all or production work, uh, it's basically grip work um, where, and, and we like to joke uh, what grips really do. And it's really, we hold up the, the entire production. We're the ones that support the entire production and make sure that people are safe. Things are being built right. Um, you know, the cameras are, are being moved properly during the scenes um, to their safety, the camera operator's safety to all of the lighting aspects um, and a lot more. So, you know, grips are you can't have a film without a grip. And if, if you right. think you can, uh, good luck.
0: So <laughs> you'll be hiring one after the fact.
1: Yeah, well you have to know you have to understand that there are people out there that that are good with their hands and their minds in in solving problems. So if you have a scene in your mind and you're saying I need this to happen, you have to have people around that say, "Okay, I understand what you're saying. We need this, this and this. And we're going to need this, this and this to get that done. And we need to call these people for that, you know, that material and all and how all of that works together and um, it's a it's a pretty big part of of creating stuff when it comes to the film industry. But anyway, um, had a nice little run there. Pandemic took that out, and I figured, you know what? this is a good time for me to step in and do something different. I did a couple of other things in between there. Uh, did some uh, diversity, inclusion, equity and belonging, uh, consulting. Uh, because of kind of my unique background and where I come from and right. sort of my views on things and the way that I tend to have uh, some some passion in things behind the 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 work that I do. um it was a very good fit. And then I said, you know what? <clears throat> it's it's time for me to take my my, I guess my legacy roots and see what I can do in uh, in the in the the legal side of things, I guess. Right. And it just kind of snowballed. When I, when I got in, I decided to really bring my passion, my knowledge, my consumption, my family uh, background with the plant and mix it with my corporate knowledge, I guess, and then throw my um, quirky self on top of all of that and, and try to build a voice within the space for something, for something good. I wasn't totally sure what that was. I didn't want to just sell something. I didn't want to just work for a brand. I didn't want to just do something. Um, And me being turned down for several jobs, thankfully, um, (laughs) helped as well. Because this space is very particular about who they hire and why. Um, And that's a whole nother piece we can get into. But (laughs) they didn't want me, let's just say that. And I, I, have a lot...
0: a, I have a friend. I have a friend, a very close friend. I'm actually a member of his coffee club. That's um, been around cannabinoids and and things for a long, long time. Um, he left corporate world to grow for cancer patients in Washington State. Um, so he's been on the I been on that. the inside, watching the outside, and he's very angry about the outside. The the you know, the stockpile sitting and the holding back and the, just the legal bullshit. Um, so when I threw out questions for you from him, he was like, we would have been like, we would have had to find the right four people in the world to listen to the episode, but I'm sure it would have been phenomenal. But you saying that um, I think he'll jive with you really well uh, because right. it sounds like you're kind of on the same outsider looking in for the benefit of the whole
1: yeah, and it's and it's a weird kind of situation to be in because, and I, and again, I'm not the only one. He's not the only one. There are a lot of us that have been around this plant since the the early early days in our lives, right? And our parents have been a part of this. And my grandparents owned a farm. I don't know if they grew weed or smoked or anything because I don't remember back that far. I'm, I'll be 48 this year, <laughs> um, and and if they did, they hit it. Um, but you know. There are a lot of people in a situation where it it was always very much normal for us to have it, to consume it, to be around it, to talk about it, to live that subculture lifestyle where we're hiding part of who we are and all of that kind of stuff and, and, and running off to get stoned by ourselves or with a couple of friends or whatever it is. And then not really be welcomed into an industry that is associated with the plant that we grew up with, or that we've always been so familiar with. It's a really weird thing to run into. And it's okay. I understand because the people that hold the power in the industry right now, for the most part, are very large players. They're the ones that are able to kind of... um move the needle because of the money they have. I'm not saying that it's good by any means, because I am not a corporate fan by any means whatsoever. Mixing weed and corporate lifestyle or corporate culture is, it kind of disgusts me a bit. Um, And I think we have an opportunity to work, but I do think we have an opportunity to work with corporate cannabis companies to teach them better ways to do what they are doing so that everyone in this space has the opportunity to pursue their dreams and not get shit on—that's
0: right. a right. big deal. So, well, I mean, the way the way I look at it is, you know, the 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 way this country works, and and my show lots actually stands for living outside the system. So, my wife and I dumped out of a thir- thirty—well, we dumped out of the suburbs and built a thirty-five acre homestead over like five to eight years, and then we sold that, and we're in a travel RV. Uh, we're ro- right. roaming the country in an RV with our three Saint Bernards. So we don't do, yeah, we don't do things normally. Um, So I love it. uh, So uh, just looking at, I understand how government works. I understand how it all works. And, and, and looking at the power of the corporate side of it is how it gets done. I mean, well, if people just said, fuck it, we don't care. Like they did. I was reading as we were traveling to Arkansas that uh, there was just a town in Arkansas that sparked off their thing back in like 2008. That just said we don't want the local police department spending any more of our tax dollars on enforcing marijuana. Yep. At all. And so fuck just like you. that,
1: and just like that, it stops.
0: Right. So I don't know if there's enough of a movement in the country to do that on a whole, on a whole scale. Obviously there isn't, it hasn't happened yet, but I mean, you can leverage things for a purpose. It's, it's dealing with the devil. As long as you allow people like you or me to do what I want on my own, I don't have to partake in your system. Just make it so I'm not getting fucked if I do it on my own.
1: Well, and here's the problem with that. And I think we both know this. Everyone knows this. We would all, if we really had a choice, we would all do that. And, and that would cause no system to exist. Right. And what does that mean? That means the people in the suits, they don't get to control anyone anymore. We have chaos. They release chaos. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> it's a little bit of a scary situation when you think about it, when really, in all actuality, it's easier if we just do the right things and we're transparent about it instead of all this hidden nonsense and bullshit and dark money and people buying other people to, to do their bidding for law, for, for laws to be written. It's a big um, cesspool of nonsense for no reason whatsoever. When there's abundant things in this world for everyone to exist in a peaceful fashion and instead we have people that want it all and yes. it's driven by greedy nonsense. I mean, it just, dude, it makes no, <laughs> it's, it baffles me. It really does. And and again, re- to get back to, you know, before we go off on our toner tangents, oh, t- toner tangents, t- toner <laughs> tangents, that's awesome. Stoner that's tangents. That's going to get um, clipped.
0: Don't worry. I clip up these interviews after the fact. So you'll get a copy <laughs> of all of them. You'll You'll, <laughs> you'll yeah. be able to run them on your LinkedIn. Don't worry.
1: Hell yeah, I appreciate it. Um, it, it, And really, it's, dude, we don't want that whole system controlling cannabis. Cannabis has always been a subculture, and most of us have always been, fuck you to the man, fuck you to the government, leave us alone, let us do our thing, let us have our medicine, we're good people, we pay our taxes, we don't hurt anyone, all of that kind of stuff. So to see it controlled the way that it is and those that have the real power in this situation right now are those ones that are lying to their customers, lying to their investors, um, creating terrible products, to be totally honest with you, Um, bullshit packaging that's that promise bullshit results. You know, it's just cutting corners. And and those are the people that are actually making helping to make laws. Right. That govern us all. They are the ones that are lobbying against home grow and caregiver rights. You know, it, it's a massive—it's a massive shit show amongst the people or amongst the businesses that actually control a lot of the dollars and a lot of the power in the industry right now. It's absolutely crazy to think about, but here we are. How does so, it shake out? I don't know, uh, and and I think you're, there's always going to be Walmart. right? Right. There's going to be the Walmart of weed. There's going to be the Cure Leaf. There's going to be the GTI. There's going to be uh, the True Leaf. There's going to be those folks. But I think the rest of us come in and we're the ones who actually control the real market, which is great cannabis at reasonable, respectable prices that everyone can live with and we can support each other with and the industry can grow with. And as a customer... Whether it's medical, adult, recreational, whatever the hell you want to call it, we are able to provide the highest quality of cannabis. Right. And, and that's where the real cannabis consumers will live. The Curious, I think, they may start at those corporate places. But you know, also remember this where does anyone in in any industry, in this industry, in any company? get their information on how to do things or what cannabis is for or how we're supposed to interact with customers with cannabis. It's from the legacy side. It's from the legacy people.
0: We it's, it's interesting that. you say that. I had a question and I didn't think it would ever fit in. But you saying that um I got a I got a listener. He he has some heart issues um back and forth. He approached the doctor, he's in Washington, so he's got legal, recreational, medical, whatever he wants. He approached the doctor about THC. The doctor said, I think he's got arrhythmia. He says it'll actually increase your heart rate, this and that. Now, regardless of that's true or not, wasn't really the question. The question is, when you're going to a medical professional... And at a federal level, this is illegal, and medicine is regulated at a federal level, and they have licensure issues. How do you get information on actual medical advice from someone that you can trust that, you know, hey, you're Dr. Dustin, (laughs) you know, like... If there has to be a a delineating factor for someone that is conscious about the information they're consuming.
1: Yeah, um, that's a great question. And I think you have to look within the cannabis industry itself and not necessarily at anything mainstream, because as we all know, mainstream doctors aren't taught this stuff. They don't even know what the ECS is. It's like it's it's skipped over at this point still (laughs) in certain schools or in certain programs On the medical side, when really the ECS should be like the basis for all medical practice uh, education, period. Everyone in the entire medical field needs to understand what an ECS is because, at very basic levels, it controls everything, right? So it controls, I mean, come on. So you can't necessarily look to your mainstream doctors, your, your mainstream practitioners, your mainstream educators you've got to come within the, inside the cannabis industry itself and you have to find those educators, those nurses and those doctors. You
0: really do. And is it, is it like kind of, you always see the lawyers that specialize in helping growers. I mean, when it's sort yeah. of like, when you see the leading edge in a state, like when Colorado was transitioning to legal medical and then legal recreational, you had those attorneys that were on the cutting edge. Are there doctors and nurses and and people of all um professions that are on they're on that side they're kind of in the club almost like in in my world a lot we we talk about keto um and like there are a group of doctors that say i don't fucking care what you think this is what i believe and this is what i'll teach and you could take my license away i'm still gonna say it
1: Um, yeah well as long as you have the results right i think when it comes to keto you can see results now whether or not keto is good for you long-term and all of that kind of stuff. There's always those types of debates and there's always debates around everything, even within cannabis when it comes to certain aspects of it. Right. Um, which you'll never hear me talk shit about the plant. You'll never hear me down on the plant because the plant itself is not the problem there's nothing wrong. There's nothing negative about the plant itself. It's a plant it's here (laughs) to help. That's, that's what it does. Period. Um, you can't overdose from it. You can't kill yourself from it unless you choke on a, on something, right. you're, unless you're doing something stupid. Um, and it's not, again, it's not the plant's fault. Um, it's human error, but anyway, um, it, it really is about, it, yes, there are those specialists, right. There are those people within, and that's why I say come into the cannabis industry itself. Don't, it would look, it would be amazing if mainstream picked this shit up, but we have to realize who mainstream is operated by, right. who it's funded by. That that media is what I think 90 plus percent of all the media in the US is controlled by six companies, right. six yep. holding companies that then fan out and control everything else. And they're, so, all getting,
0: they're all getting stock options and stuff from the pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical companies. It's, there's a reason it. that every other ad is a, is a, is a prescription Look, drug.
1: Everything is incestuous in mainstream culture. Everything. Because very few companies uh, hold all the power in, in mainstream culture. So you get bits and pieces of things that matter and a massive shit that doesn't matter at all that gets thrown at you every single day. So what you have to do, and that's unfortunate, but what you have to do is remove yourself from that as much as you can, come into the specific industry that you're looking for an answer from, like cannabis, and find those specialists. And we have a ton of them. We have scientists readily available to talk to. We have researchers that you that have done so much amazing work and they are readily available and at your fingertips at any point in the day, everybody in this industry that is worth a shit is actually reachable, has an open door policy, and is ready to talk to you and anyone else about anything when it comes to cannabis. Why is that? It's because we want the plant to actually be put in its right rightful place within society. Right. It deserves respect. The culture behind this plant deserves respect. The people, the community, and the industry deserve respect. So, anybody who is worth a damn within this in the cannabis industry, it especially when it comes to making sure that this thing gets to be more and more normalized, they are going to be willing to talk to you. So, we have a massive amounts of nurses, of educators, of researchers, doctors. And, and scientists that are here ready to answer those questions. So yes, those people perfect. absolutely exist to get back to your original question from like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> so. But
0: no, anyway, that's, that's perfect. You just, you just mentioned that exposure is key. Um, Always. People, people are willing to throw it out there to get the respect for the plant, for the industry. Yep. So that's what you're doing in two fronts from what I understand. Your yeah. magazine and then a company. Um, we're about halfway through. You want to talk about those things? Um, yeah, man. I, yeah, absolutely. I, whichever, whichever one you're more passionate about, whichever one you want to start with or, or end with is, is up to you. Um, I know giving a stoner a choice is a never a good idea, but <laughs> dude, fat nugs or three good buds.
1: So it's they're they're both very much passions of mine because they're both very much connected, but I'll talk about the one that um, I, I've had to spend more time and longer time. I've been doing it for a longer time, um, and that is Fat Nugs Magazine. Um, and I'll and I'll, I'll kind of tell you really how we got started and what we are and why we exist. Perfect. But really, that story that I was telling you about the way that I grew up with my my military family background and and twenty two family members and and my. Grandparents having a farm and always being around it and always being normalized and and having it in college and becoming a daily consumer in 1995 and using it to help me pay for school and all get my education all of that stuff. I also played college volleyball and and, and consumed it to help with soreness and pain and blah blah blah. So, an um, athlete that consumed marijuana? Oh no! no <laughs> believe it or not, um, most of us I like to think, at least the ones that I've been around in my life, um, do. And a lot of us smoke big fat blunts and go play basketball together, right? That's what we did for years and years. So it's pretty much normal. And that's just another thing to, to kind of knock in the face of that lazy stoner nonsense, you know? Um, trust me, LeBron James is smoking blunts y'all trust me. So anyway, um, and so is everyone in the NFL. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, Fat Nugs Magazine. You know, it, it because of the way that I grew up with this plant, the people that I grew up around uh, with this plant, what it means to me, what it's afforded me in my life, uh, the way that I consume it, the way that it helps me with my PTSD, uh, with my anxiety, with my depression that I have always battled. Um, it means something to me. It means a lot to me. Um, I've never been without it. It's always been around since, like I said, my earliest childhood memories. I have never in my life ever been without weed. It's just always been here. So that means it's a part of my life. It's not just some CPG. It's not just a way to make money. It's not. It's a part of who I am. So this magazine represents exactly what that is um, in its purest form, to be honest with you. If, If I was the, my best self. That's what the magazine is. It's like the my, the purest, greatest form of me, even though that I could never attain that. The magazine <laughs> is what we're striving to, to to really achieve with that is sort of being able to represent this plant in the most positive, uplifting, helpful, supportive fashion that focuses on small mom and pop equity, legacy, women, and veteran-owned cannabis businesses and voices. Those are the things that we serve. Those are the things that we focus on. And we do that because we're able to have a true grassroots cannabis and stoner culture, global perspective of cannabis and stoner culture as a bridge to the rest of the world. And what I mean by that is I can speak to you. I can speak to our, our average cannabis consumer, our our stoner. I can speak to the canna curious. That's not that difficult. It's the way that we do it. In the fashion that we do it. Very artistically driven, very visually driven. What do people do most of these days? It's look at stuff. No one likes to read, right? It's flip through shit. So we give you something cannabis related visually stunning. And hopefully that immediately connects with you, connects with you in a way that we get your attention. From there, you know, a lot of us, when we're talking about cannabis, people that love the plant, we tend to get scientific and education and educational and all of that stuff. And that's great. And we do that here at the magazine as well. That's something we have to do. I think it's normal because it's medicine, because it's recreation, because it's. Well, you're,
0: you're not you're not trying to only attract people that are new and curious. You're, you're trying to have a, a listener base that can feed back in. And if and if somebody's experienced and they've they've been smoking for twenty years or participating in whatever way for 20 years and you're just putting up pictures and trying to intrigue people into learning more. You don't have those listeners, but those are the people that are building your, your, your culture.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we're not only talking to people like us, right? But we are talking to people who don't know about, that's why I say bridge to the rest of the world that don't know cannabis, that, that might be a little curious, that, Want to learn more, but have no idea where to start or what cannabis can really do for you.
0: So they read Playboy for the articles, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and, uh, well, I oh my god, don't get me started on Playboy. I have to go <laughs> off on a tangent because most of my team is women, and uh, some of the cues that they like to take are from Playboy. Um, which I love and I never thought about in the ways that they explain it to me. So I'm like, holy shit, you you, you know, I'm, I'm glad y'all are here. Anyway.
0: Hafner, Hafner was genius. Uh, he was, he
1: was absolutely hundred uh, percent. So we talk to people both inside the industry, inside weed culture, under people that understand cannabis, whether it's a grower or a caregiver, or a home grower or someone that works at a cannabis Uh, cultivation facility or post-production, doesn't matter. We also speak to those people who might be curious, who are outside of this culture, who are outside of this industry. And getting back to what I was saying was a lot of us, we speak about cannabis in a way that's science and educationally driven. And that's great. We do that here, but we also do it in a way that's very personal because you can speak to someone outside of this culture, this industry, outside of our community, until you're blue in the face and they will glaze over, dude. If you give them too much information, you give them the wrong information, you can confuse the shit out of people. So how do you do it best? How do you speak to them? How we do this is by relating to anyone and everyone that is actually capable of feeding their ECS, which is basically everyone, to be honest with you, that really wants to understand cannabis or is curious or you know wants to learn something about the plant. So doing it in a personal way, telling a story that is science and educational based, but has a personal perspective, like my two-year-old takes a broad spectrum product at night to control his seizures so he can sleep. Or my 89-year-old grandmother smokes a big fat blunt sitting in her rocking chair because of her rheumatoid arthritis, that kind of stuff. When you add those types of things in there, you make it personal. You instantly connect to your reader. Not only do you connect to your reader, you're giving them entertainment. You're giving them visual entertainment on top of that. So now we've kind of embodied everything that cannabis is. It's medicine by telling them personal stories, scientific and educational things. So we're teaching them what the plant can do. And we're showing them visually the integration and normalization through art. So we're doing all kinds of really cool shit with the magazine. And, and really what this magazine encompasses is inclusion on like a massive scale, dude, from the plant and everything all the way up to the people and every kind of person that you can think of and every kind of background. We have all different kinds of writers, all different types of contributors, LGBTQ+, Black, white, Hispanic, the list goes on and on. It's absolutely amazing. Our team is rad as fuck. I'm super lucky to, to be in the position that I'm in. I'm very grateful that the community has stepped up and accepted that the idea that some of the publications that we've had in this industry have sort of gone the way of being a mouthpiece for very... um. I believe unpleasant people and unethical uh, business practices um, supporting those types of companies um, and supporting those types of voices and has kind of lost its way of grassroots um, understanding that cannabis is very, very personal to each and every single one of us. And that it's not just this money making, you know, succubus thing. It's, it's something that I've, wanted to really be able to um, be accepted as someone that can plug that hole, that can fill that gap and have a publication that is honest, transparent, um, open, and it shares the things that we truly love and it supports the things that most of us in this space that have been around this plant for a very long time support. Those things that we care about, whether it be nature, people, our neighbors, um, you know, good policy, you know, whatever the case may be, that's the type of shit we're here to do. We're not here to be a mouthpiece for anybody. You know, I have no investors. I have no one backing me. My I didn't I still have yet to turn a pro. I still have yet to make a penny off of this thing. I've never had a paycheck from it.
0: Dude, you're Never. just doing it for
1: the money, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No <laughs> one is dangling me like a puppet. I literally, I scrape and, and claw with my team on a daily basis to get the money that we need and bring the people into this thing that we believe truly deserve to be shout out and to be heard as much as we can. Obviously, there are you know thousands and thousands of amazing people in this space. Right. We only have 68 pages, right? I can only right. do so much. In, in in each edition, but we're doing everything we can to shout out those voices and those businesses um, that really deserve to be heard because they're doing great things and they're great people. Are you so are you print only? Do you do uh we're both content So we we started digital back May 6th. So this is we've been around for a little over a year. Okay. Um uh, May 6th was our very first full publication release, okay. and that was digital only. All the way up till, and it's every other month from there, all the way up till November of last year, we were just digital. So we went to print in November. Our first print edition was this one. Nice. And nice. our and we've only had two print editions. Our second print edition is this one. And this one came out in uh, February.
0: Okay, the first, the one I think that's the one I saw the picture in the salon in Canada. They, oh, I think yeah. they, so, both, they were both there.
1: Yeah, they're both there. Exactly.
0: Yeah, I saw that, and I was like, "That's perfect. That's yeah. absolutely perfect." That right there, that you're holding in your hands, must have been felt pretty good.
1: Yeah, absolutely, dude. I mean, and this, uh, that also, that feeling uh, is another reason that this magazine exists. So it comes from another place it comes from is three publications from my childhood. So that first publication would be, um, I was a skater punk when I was a kid. So Thrasher Magazine was everything, dude. I used to fucking love Thrasher Magazine. There's nothing like seeing a dude pull a trick or a McTwist or whatever in your face in a double page layout. And when I was looking at one of those as a kid, I was like, God, I wish I could be that guy, right? I want to do that. So, and so that means that meant a lot to me as a kid, um, walking through a grocery store with my mom, I can remember seeing mad magazine and seeing the, the freckled, big eared, red haired guy. And they always had like these weird covers and, and, and really cool caricature, uh, covers the
0: shit together and make it. Yes.
1: Yes. And spy versus spy and all of that stuff, dude. So that was another one that meant a lot to me as a kid. And even though I was never like this huge magazine person, I so I thought, um, looking back, those magazines actually meant something to me. Like I was in, I was involved with those. Like I I searched for them, right? I I did, which is kind of weird to think about. And then the third one is early high times, like you know, late 80s, early 90s high times. If you could get your hands on one of those as a kid, you were fucking cool. Yeah. So <laughs> You know, it's so having having that feeling of holding a, a magazine that you have created that means inside of it, there is a lot of your life, right? Even though those aren't my personal stories, everything that I've done in my life has led to that moment. For real. I've been around this plant and now it's in this magazine. So it's um it's a really cool feeling to have those to have those two print publications for sure those two print magazines
0: my buddies were into Thrasher I wasn't I wasn't a skater guy but I was definitely around that but when you were talking that the one like you get that visceral response when you know what somebody's talking about and I think we're close enough in age I'm I just turned what how old am I 43 44, somewhere in there. Um, It doesn't really matter. I didn't even know what fucking year it is, dude. So um, (laughs) it doesn't matter when you like, I I realized the other day in the trailer, I like, I don't know what day it is other than the fact that my wife works remotely. So she works Monday through Friday, but in the middle of the week, I have no fucking idea what day it is. (laughs) I love that. And you are my hero. (laughs) But he, uh, uh, you were saying that. And so we're in the right age group that I, I felt that same thing. We had that media as a kid, and mine was the music magazines. Oh, um, yeah, of like course. Not not teen beat, but like metal magazines that had like yeah. the hair bands. And oh, it was yeah. before they put the lyrics in the tape cassette covers. Oh, yeah. So you would you would like flip through the magazine to find the one lyrics they put in or the two lyrics. So you knew the lyric to the metal song. (laughs) Yep. yep. That was my magazine. Your, your version of thrasher, but mad was a a staple for all my friends, no matter what genre, we all love that. It it like, it just opened your brain to um, exploring things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They were always on top of something political or something social that was in the news. or But it didn't matter
0: to you when you were 14, you got to laugh at it.
1: Yep, exactly. That was what MAD was for. It was to show a different um, style of life, right? The Simpsons did the same
0: thing under the radar. Who did? The, The Simpsons. Oh yeah! Oh, absolutely. Crony oh, that... was always, always on top of all the political shit and all the oh, yeah. adult humor that was so subtle that it wasn't until I was in my twenties watching it going.
1: Uh, oh, hell. whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, yes. whoa, whoa, whoa! Well, <laughs> well, it, it, it hasn't been around forever for for no reason, right? It's right, it's exactly. Some of the best. It's some of the best written content that's ever existed. Same thing with Family Guy. It's it's some yeah. of the best written content that's that's ever been out there. So. Yeah, with you on that. Um, so,
0: so you got it coming out. It comes out every other month. You, you have a digital version that I s- assume through a website. Um, you do socials at all? Or are you just focused? Oh, yeah. On- yeah, all the socials. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Socials, of course. Um, and by the way, the magazine digitally is, is any of our editions. They're always free to read online. Um, wow. All you got to do is go to fatnugsmag.com and you can read any of them that we've ever released. Um, This next one, we release next, not this coming Friday, but next Friday, April 7th. Um, We usually try to do, when we do every other month, we try to do the very first Friday of that month. Um, And I call it Fat Nugs Friday. That leads into socials. So I built this entire magazine through LinkedIn. you know, LinkedIn has been a, an enormous tool since I decided to come out of the green closet a year and a half or two what, how, two years, whatever the hell it's been. Uh, it's a year and a half or so ago, I think. Um, I think two years. Maybe it's been two years. So
0: <laughs> You're getting yeah. to your point where you want to be, where you don't know what year
1: I know, right? We're getting there. Hell yeah, man. I'm, I'm going to grow up to be you one day. <laughs>
0: no, it's not a good um, thing. I need to get a job. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, join the Cloudy to get a job that fucking makes money. I can tell you that.
0: That's one of those things. Of, in the industry. I do a lot of work, but I don't see any money. Yeah,
1: no doubt. Uh, I'm, God, man, do not get me started. Do not get me started. All right, what were we just talking about? I swear to God, I just had a- Oh, um, uh,
0: set a release stuff. in every other Friday. Fat Nugs Fridays turned into your socials on That's, LinkedIn.
1: Yeah, so I, I ended up creating this entire magazine through the cannabis community on LinkedIn. Because- coming out of the green closet uh, on LinkedIn is one of the best ways to really start to get your foot into the industry itself, because that's where the leaders are. That's where the, the brands live as far as their VPs or uh, their recruiters or their sales teams. You know, it, LinkedIn is a really good tool when it comes to the cannabis industry. You have thought leaders there that are sharing important things you can learn a lot from growers there. You see things that you that I never thought I would see on LinkedIn or on any social when it comes to cannabis. So it's the best place, social media wise when it comes to cannabis because you get education. You get connections and networking, you get support. you get leads, you know you can use it to, to generate sales stuff. You can build friendships. I mean, I have, I, and that kind of leads me into three good bud stuff here in just a second, but social media has been uh, a huge part of what we do. Hell, just on LinkedIn alone, Fat Nugs Magazine and my content had over almost two and a half million views last year. Nice. Um, that's massive, dude. So when you combine that with our team and our contributors and our all of their social networks, our reach is very, very large. And we can use that reach for good in helping brands, businesses, and voices get heard in the right way, supporting the right things, showing they're supporting the right things. Um, and we also have agency capabilities here when it comes to our advertising and marketing programs. So we're not just a magazine. We are a media business. That's right. that's what we do. So we have digital and programmatic uh, advertising programs. We can show you ROI. We can show you click-throughs. We can do all of that stuff, newsletters and all of those things that can really help. Anything that Hearst Media can do, which a lot of companies do, a lot of businesses in, uh, a lot of brands in industry, in the cannabis industry, use Hearst Media for their cannabis stuff, um, we can actually do, but guess what we work with inside the industry itself. That's the difference. And we can do what they can do.
0: So, so you're not a dude in your basement. Like you've actually got, you got your shit together and, but you haven't, (laughs) you haven't been, you haven't been taken in and you're true to yourself, like the perfect middle ground for sure.
1: Doing my best. Uh, we don't, support. like I, I, I'm i not your, your uh, typical paid media. We don't pay to play around here. I don't allow companies like Cureleaf or Trulieve or GTI or Cresco or any of those folks to come in here and pay us $20,000 to get their CEO on the front cover and an advertorial. We don't do that stuff. Everything we do here is because we are interested in learning and shouting out what they do, who they are, what they're bringing to the table, what makes them different? How they're uplifting their community, and so on. That's the kind of stuff that we're doing. So yes, true to ourselves. Authenticity is everything in this space. Um, and and look, you you mentioned uh, music magazines. I I my first anything I've ever done artistic wise, creative wise, I've released three albums on my own. So right. I've I've wrote, played. Uh, recorded mixed, mastered and released three albums on my own. Nice. Uh, I have been in bands and, uh, you know, played anything percussion minus piano since I was two years old. I had my first drum kit when I was 11. I taught myself how to play guitar in college and bass and keys and everything else. So what's you know, your
0: favorite kind of music?
1: Uh, so most of the music that I create is post-rock. Okay. Uh, so no vocals for the most part. Um, if you've ever seen the movie or heard of the movie or the show uh, Friday Night Lights, uh-huh. the um, the entire thing, the entire uh, soundtrack is done by a post-rock band, probably the most famous post-rock band called Explosions in the Sky. Okay. So feel free to check them out. But otherwise, I listen to uh, probably a lot of stuff that you have never heard
0: of. Um <laughs> So uh, you're, you're a typical stoner, that, yeah, it's like, dude. You gotta check this band out. I, I was oh, yeah. on, I was on, I was on Napster the other night, and yeah. I was doing a deep dive, and I hit that bong, and dude, this this spoke to me.
1: God, you remember those three, days? Three Napster. monkeys,
0: three monkeys, and a and a little piggy is the band. <laughs> uh, you got, you'll find them in the way back rack.
1: Oh yeah, for sure, dude. <laughs> but bands like Hammock, which you know you probably never heard of, Film School uh, Jaguar Sun. I mean, there's a lot of stuff, uh, that I could just name off the people would be like, what the fuck is that? So it doesn't really matter, but let's just say it's almost nothing mainstream that you've ever heard on the radio. Or if it is, that's probably because it's old REM that I'm listening to or something like that,
0: you know? Perfect. I, I mean, uh, but I, I grew up, anything last though. So,
1: so I grew up, uh, you know, Kurt Cobain raised me, um, as a Gen Xer, uh that man was everything to me, and I didn't have any heroes, and the way that I grew up was kind of fucked up. So Kurt was kind of the voice that I listened to, and that's where a lot of my musical influence started.
0: Okay, I got you. I mean, I'm right where I yeah, yeah, I wouldn't have expected anything else. And uh yep. yeah, I'm I'm kind of talking into a mirror, so that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So but anyway, so yeah, um let me I want tell you, you about, about three, three dudes. Yeah, let me
1: tell you about three good buds. So, you know, going back to the social part, uh, LinkedIn and is really, especially when it comes to the cannabis industry, a great place to network and connect with people. And that's what happened when it came to three good buds. So back in May of last year, uh, May happens to be uh, Mental Health Awareness Month. And I was coming up with, I always seem to come up with these like stupid little sayings. Like one of one for the magazine is called is uh, cannabis culture welcomes us all. I have that on every magazine, almost in every post, all of that kind of stuff. Most creative stuff that I do has that it's contained in there. Um, The one for uh, mental awareness health month last year, May was sesh with friends. It's important. And it I was going and visiting friends after the pandemic, and I was realizing that, damn man, this is like, this is deep shit. This is important. I don't get to see these folks as much as I used to. Um, a lot of my friends are suffering. Uh, a lot of us are depressed a lot. Um, I didn't know a
0: lot I of. I didn't know it because it was it was it was life, and it exactly. was changed without your your consent. Yeah. Um, and yep. you, don't, you didn't know what was going on. It was the first time a lot of people had ever experienced those emotions and still don't even know the, what they went through.
1: A hundred percent. People are still processing it. And we, lo- everyone that I talk to, and especially when I have conversations, my, my sense of time is so thrown off when it comes to years. I'm like, yeah, that was just like, you know, two years ago. No, that was six years ago, dude. Like what? Yep. We lost years, you know? So- When I started visiting my friends again, I was like, really, this is kind of a big deal. So it came to me, you know, Sesh, go fucking smoke with your friends, you know, go hang out with your friends, go talk, be open, be cool, fucking have a beer, smoke a joint. I don't care, do something. So Sesh with your friends, it's important. That's where that came from. Um, And I ended up Uh, creating these calls where I would just have an open call. I would throw out invites. If you wanted to come, come. And we get online and just smoke and bullshit and talk to each other. And one of those calls, Daniel uh, Crawford and Aaron Weiss got in on the call and we just started talking and we connected and it kind of grew from there. And what Three Good Buds ended up being was uh, or is a community. We're building a community where people come together to support each other, help each other, connect with one another, ask questions, um, exchange information, ask for help when it comes to running business. I connected a couple of people through Three Good Buds that are now running a dispensary. They moved across the country to go run a dispensary for a guy that I knew through Three Good Buds, through through Fat Nugs Magazine excuse me through fat nugs magazine through linkedin so that's how all of this is connecting and what we've done in building this community and now we do live sessions by the way we do these big live sessions once a month where we all get together um, online and we uh, stream these live everybody is smoking we're talking to someone we're interviewing someone we're giving some education or knowledge we have recruiters come on talk about themselves what they're looking for, some tips and tricks, those types of things, and try to add some value to those calls. They've gotten a little crazy lately because we did one from MJ Biz and we did one from Mass Grass back in, uh, in, in Boston for NECAN, which was just kind of chaos. But eventually we'll get to the point where they are real sit-down interviews. We're having conversations and interactions and, and we're consuming together and normalizing all of that. And uh, so we're doing those types of things. But while we've been building this community, we've met some of the most amazing business owners. So we've partnered up with a company called Quick Liquids with Quick Drops, okay. um, Blake Villa and, and, and their CEO. And we've partnered with them to get the word out, to help sell, to bring in partnerships, to spread uh, Quick Liquids around, to Quick Drops around. And it's been uh, an amazing ride so far. Blake is a great dude. He understands what we bring uh, as far as us three and three good buds as value, as far as eyeballs, as far as community, as far as being uplifting and helpful, uh, being able to drive people to him and to business and to quick liquids and quick drops. And we're having those conversations all the time. So as we're building the community, we're building the community right of those that are with us and around us so you not only get to be a part of that community but people now know who you are they trust you they know that all three of us the three good buds believe in your product and what you're doing and you're not buying us off like you we can't be right. bought these this is a place that we have been all our lives Daniel actually grows, weed. He is in a post-production facility as a manager there in Arizona for Shango. This is, I've been, and I told you my story, I've been around this fucking plant forever. Aaron is a veteran and he, he consumes for, for medical purposes. He understands we all three of us bring something different. And right. so we've created these partnerships through our community that are able to uplift not only their business, but the people and the businesses around them, ourselves as well, and the community and the plant. So again, very much connected to Fat Nugs Magazine is Three Good Buds. We kind of have the same ethos and and the same really community built around it, the community aspect. That's how we're driving both of these
0: businesses. That's awesome. That's absolutely fantastic.
1: It's fun because we get, look, there's nothing better than just being positive. To be honest with you, when you're around positive people and you're just talking positive shit, even if there's stuff that you have to discuss that's icky, that's shitty, that's you know negative about the industry or whatever, when you have good people, you know where your intentions are, like you know what their intentions are, you know that they're good hearted, they mean well, They they have your back. It makes for the best vibe that you could ever want to have when you're working. Even if yep. that work is smoking weed together live online.
0: <laughs> I mean, work is, is always, um, in the eye of the beholder, right?
1: A hundred percent. It's a four letter word, <laughs> but I love four letter words.
0: <laughs> Perfect. <Wow>. Perfect. <laughs> I, I got a, uh, so the, the gentleman I talked to you about earlier, um, he actually you're talking about phrases and he's got one that sticks in my head and he heard it a long time ago and he's kind of adapted it but it's got it's got the infinity symbol in the middle but it says free markets free minds and you can stay it around in circles forever and one leads to the other but the other leads to the one and um just going in that path of the stuff you're saying that one like sticks that. in my head. Yeah. He, yeah. I like
1: that. I, li- I like that a lot. It's um, it makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It does. So.
1: You know, there's, there's a few sayings, you know, cannabis um, what is it? It, it doesn't bring, it, it doesn't allow for more time or it doesn't bring more time to life, but it brings more life to time. Is that what it is? One of yeah. those as oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. you yeah. know, Mm -hmm. that there, there's a couple of those types of things that I, that I like to hear. Um, I'm not sure if that was quite right, but so one,
0: so we're here, we're a little over an hour. Um, I had one question that I got to ask just because the guy asked me to ask it, but what's your favorite fucking stoner snack, man?
1: Oh, stoner snack. Good Christ. (laughs) Um, I would say these days, um, maybe a little more healthy but it's kind of weird so i'm a i'm a huge pickle fan dude um i love a good pickle which is kind of weird but at the same time i also love a good chocolate covered cashew
0: <laughs> nice so
1: those two i guess i'm pregnant i guess i'll take those two my wife
0: is a pickle person man i i, I don't it. i never i've never been a fan my whole life what and the fuck? she she just I, I think it was because I had had them on a burger, and I like burgers so much, and that that just the combined taste turned me off, okay. and I just never got back into them But she'll send me to the store. She'll be like, "Give me pickles." I'm like, "Which fucking ones?" There's like there's, <laughs> there's a thousand. Of them. There's a wall of pickles. What kind? <laughs> well, I don't really know what brand it is, but it's it's it might be these ones. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, so I'm standing in the store like this.
1: Uh, yeah. No. There's a wall of pickles. Is 100 correct? But. You need it, it, your your wife you need to get her these the the ones that are in the cold section Claussen. If they if they have the whole Clausens, your store has not been robbed yet. So go get them. <laughs> Anytime anybody discovers a Claussen pickle, I swear to God there's less and less of them every time I go to the store now. I can only find sandwich slices. It's killing me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Perfect. So chocolate-covered cashews and pickles. My my wife my wife just fell in love with you. I got to hold on to it right <laughs> now.
1: <laughs> right on, dude. Right on. Right. And I
0: smoke yeah. weed. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so, uh man, it's been over an hour. I really appreciate it. Um I'm going to have all your links. I I got a, a we're recording this a month ahead of time, so that's cool cuz I I imagine the weed do gets kind of busy towards the end of uh towards the end of April, so I'm glad I got you in early. Um yeah. I'll get with you. We'll get all your links. Everything I can send people to will be in the notes and stuff. But if okay. you want to take a minute and, uh, and throw any closing thoughts out there, any pontification or just, Hey man, yeah. I, and, uh, goodbye. We'll, uh, we'll wrap it up and get out of here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. First, let me say thanks for having me on. I definitely appreciate it. No problem. Uh, thanks, Thank you. thanks for letting me talk about the magazine and three good buds. Uh, I, I always, uh, been super grateful when I get to share any of this kind of information Um, You know, a few things. Cannabis culture really does always welcome us all. Uh, It's. uh, I I think we all need to do everything we can to continue to uplift this plant in any way possible and support the good people and the good things being done in this industry as much as we can. Continue to educate folks as much as we can. Be patient. Um, I think it's extremely important that Um, You know, everything that we do as far as an industry, a community, uh, a culture um, is with an eye that this plant really does deserve to be in a much greater place within our society. And if we're not doing our best to push that on a daily basis, we're losing, period. And I know that kind of sounds shitty because it's a lot of work but there've been a lot of people throughout history that have been doing this work for a very long time. And we need more and more people to step up and hopefully we can continue to do that. And hopefully I can help with the magazine. And um, so if anyone out there that listens to this or watches or, or whatever has any questions on how they can help us help the industry and help this plant and the culture and the community around it, um, please reach out. Um, I am on LinkedIn, Dustin Hawksworth. I am on Instagram. We're on Instagram at Mag, or fat underscore nugs underscore mag. <laughs> uh,
0: however that goes these days. Just go look in the uh, notes and click on it if you're hearing this.
1: <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, so, you know, we're always, we want to be part of uh, the solution around here. So the more people can reach out to us and, you know, help us, do that. Um, That's what we truly need. Um, And we want to be a a, a voice and a power for good. So we need uh, as much support as we can to be able to reach that. So um, reach out anytime. I am always available. Um, Even though I do get busy, I tend to get back to people as quickly as I can. And um, I, I think, uh, it's sort of my job to do that, to make sure that I'm spreading as much good, positive support for this plant as I can. So thanks for yeah, having dude. me on. And that's, that's really everything I ever wanted to say when I come onto a <laughs> podcast is, you know, be positive and let's fucking do the right thing when it comes to this plant, period.
0: Yeah, man, that's that's perfect, and and you're not you're not kidding. Uh, you are definitely available on LinkedIn. Some random dude just sent you a message to do like, hey, man, I want to talk to you about pot on 420. You're like, okay, cool. Um, <laughs> probably probably can't do it then, but let's hook up a date. I'm like, all right, cool.
1: Wait, wait, you want to talk about pot on 420? You want to talk about <laughs> weed? You want to talk about cannabis, marijuana, whatever, grass? I don't care what you call it on 420. I, oh God, don't twist my arm, jeez.
0: Uh, yeah, so hard. Man. <laughs> I appreciate it. I, I will definitely um, be mentioned in the magazine. I've been checking it out here and there. Um, and your posts on LinkedIn are fantastic. So I definitely Thank encourage you. people to follow your stuff over there. I just appreciate jumped that. on to um, the Three Good Buds. Uh, and headed over to the website. I was checking that out when I was doing show prep. That looks yeah. fantastic. So I'm excited to explore that. Uh, I got some people I might I might connect you with that um, I've run into along my journeys that might uh, I that would might love that. Uh, be a good fit. So,
1: hey man, I would absolutely love that. I definitely appreciate it. You know what? One last thing, if you don't mind me saying oh, this. So one thing that we've uh, started doing, and I, I don't know why I failed to mention this. We're starting, I'm able, because of some really great people in the state of Montana, Uh, Montana, most people don't know this. Montana has one of the healthiest cannabis industries, markets, and cultures that we have in the U.S. They are making good money. They're producing quality products, and they have great people behind some amazing brands. These brands got together with Sinful Beverages from Montana and sponsored one of our writers, and Fat Nugs Magazine to travel for two weeks, starting 420 and going for at least two weeks, Veronica Castillo, throughout the entire state of Montana, she's going to interview people, go into their grows, dispensaries, whatever it is, and learn what's going on in the state, the culture, the industry. That kind of stuff, dude, is that's game-changing stuff for a publication like, like Fat Nugs Magazine, but it's game-changing stuff for an industry where we can actually go into a state with brands, helping us, all they're doing, like none of this is pay to play. They're they're paying for the travel of a photographer and a writer from Fat Nugs Magazine to travel around. And we're telling the story of the state. That is amazing stuff that we get to do. That kind of storytelling and journalism will change everything, the more that we get the word out about that kind of stuff and that we're able to do and we're willing to do that kind of work, man, the more this entire industry will win. So I wanted to be able to mention that as well. It's called um, uh, Fat Nugs Under Big Skies and it's uh, being written by Veronica Castillo. So if anybody gets a chance, check it out.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Dustin, I really appreciate you coming on and it's been a great chat um i'm gonna drop you off i'm gonna wrap things up if you'd hang out i want to talk to you for a second when we're done but hey man i appreciate it and uh good token
1: absolutely thank you brother
0: all right what a oh man great chat great chat if you hope you made it through and you didn't uh you didn't zone out on the couch and you were able to focus through because uh i know what day this is coming out but if you, if you zoned out, be sure to circle back and listen because Dustin has a bunch of good shit to say. Be sure to check out Fat Nugs Magazine, Three Good Buds. All the links are down in the video description, whether it's uh, direct to those or their socials. Check them out on LinkedIn. Very accessible. That's where I found him. Here he is talking with us. So I appreciate him coming on. It's been another episode of Lots to Talk About. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.